Thank you, uh, choir. And I want us to take our Bible this morning, and uh, we're going to start, we'll be in the book of Galatians, and we'll start in uh, chapter 5 this morning. And I'm going to preach on the subject this morning as it relates to uh, the essentials of uh, the Christian faith uh, this morning. I want to preach about the essential of our freedom that's in Christ. Um, if we were to take the 149 words, or excuse me, 149 verses in the book of Galatians, and if we were to break those down into just a statement, uh, it would be freedom in Christ. Paul spends a great amount of time to boil it down to the simplicity of that. Now, I, I love simple things, um, you know, and uh, when we think about the Word of God and we think about what God has given us in His Word, He has given us the gospel, and it is, it is simple so that a child can understand it. And when we think about what God has given us in His Word, we can read it through the power of the Holy Spirit, understand it, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, act on that which we understand. And uh, we can accomplish some great things for the glory of God. And just want to keep that in mind. Sometimes we like to muddy the water up and we, we try to make things more complicated, but I hope that I won't do that today. Now, I know uh, if... You know, if you're used to my preaching style, I am more of an expository preacher. I, I just take a paragraph. And, but today, it's a little more on the subject matter of this, and so we're going to be back and forth uh, in various places there in the book of Galatians. So uh, uh, you can follow along. and uh, But keep this in mind. This is so essential to Christian faith, to authentic Christian faith. Paul, again, spends a great amount of time to address this issue uh, because the church there uh, had got off track from that. And uh, again, it's simple. It is simple. But it is something that sometimes we just take for granted and we fail to understand the, important of this, the importance of this concept, this truth, uh, in our lives as Christian people. So uh, let's begin in Galatians chapter 5. Stand with me. We're just going to read verse 1, and then we're going to sit back down. Got plenty of time, so uh, it's warm, and uh, we're just here to hear from God. Amen. Chapter, one, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, Galatians chapter 5, beginning there. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Let's read that again. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. And Father, this morning, as we dive into this, Lord, Help us to see and understand this great truth. And Lord, to live in the power of this great truth. Uh, to do as the Word tells us to, to stand fast, Lord. To understand the great price at which our redemption came. To never take that for granted. 
Lord, to be committed, to be yielded to the power of God through the Holy Spirit in our lives. To live a life for your glory, honor, and praise. Now, Lord, help us understand this today. Help us to receive it. Help us to stand and to live in the power of it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Well, I don't know about you this morning, but it is great to be free. It is great to, to live in a nation where we have religious freedom. It's great to, to live in a place where we can uh, stand you know, and preach the Word of God. We can teach the Word of God. We can go out and knock on doors. We can go to the supermarket, and we can engage people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a freedom that we have in our nation that many nations around the world do not have. As a matter of fact, even in the Western world, or what we would call Christendom today, that which Christianity transformed through the centuries, some of those things are eroding away. We see that happening in places like you know, Canada or uh, even in uh, most of the European countries, uh, certainly the Western European countries, uh, nations that once flamed with great fervency for the Lord, and for the gospel now, you know, to say that Jesus is the only way uh, can be offensive uh, to say that certain things or lifestyle choices are wrong and, and that should be abstained from and so on and so forth. These things uh, can uh, be hate crimes and you can be uh, even uh, jailed for that kind of stuff in uh, places where once that would be unheard of. Uh, places where the gospel and the flame of God... Uh, was very bright and instrumental in even bringing faith uh, to our nation today. But I'm not going to focus on that aspect of it. Because the, the, the great truth of Scripture we have today is whether we live under a government where there are freedoms or whether you are living in, in, in a place where church has to be held underground. There is freedom that we have in Jesus Christ that the world did not give to us. And the world cannot take it away. And we're, we're taught a fundamental a teaching in Scripture that we are just passing through. This place is not our home. Uh, and, and we have to live like that, or we need to live like that, that we really are pilgrims on a journey. And, and so to keep it in light of that. So today, I, I just want to give you just a little bit of background, and then we're going to dive into this. Um, Paul writes a letter to confront some people that were teaching uh, you know, he refers to it as a fake gospel, a false gospel, but it was the idea that you needed Jesus to be saved, but you had to uh, take care of all of the Old Testament aspects of, of the law uh, in order to stay saved, okay? So Jesus was necessary, but it, it wasn't just faith alone, uh, you, know, uh, you know, it wasn't just in Christ alone. It, it had to be coupled with works. And so Paul spent an entire letter to address this teaching uh, by Judaizers that taught that if you were to be saved, you essentially had to become a Jewish. A, a Jew, uh, you had to convert to Judaism, basically, in order to really know and understand and be a Christian. 
And of course, Paul said that this was absolutely counter to the gospel message. Now, he begins verse 1 there in chapter 5, and he says that we're to stand fast, therefore. Now, that, that word tells us that he's contrasting something. And that which he is using to contrast here is the bondage that came trying to, you know, be made righteous by the law. And that the law could never do that. So, so he's, he's uh, transitioning here to this idea of Christian liberty that we have. And he's saying because of all that Christ has done, we are to, we are to reject this idea. We're to see the fallacy in this idea that we can be right with God because of what Jesus did, but we have to revert to Judaism to stay right with God. And so he, he spends a great amount of time to address this particular issue. Now, we would think in our culture today and, and, in, and in, you know, in an evangelical church or a Baptist church that this would be commonplace, and for the most part it is. But it is sometimes something that you hear it over and over again and it just loses the impact to the time in which you first heard it. Or you lose uh, the power of it because it's something you hear over and over and over again. So with that in mind, we're going to flip over to Galatians chapter 2 and I want to go down to verse 16. Paul says in verse 16, and this is, this is point number one here, that we are free, we are free to be saved by faith alone, okay? Now notice what he says in verse 16. He could not be more clear here. Verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus, in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. Now this is important to, to understand who this is coming from. Remember, uh, Paul tells us that if you looked at a person's life based on the law, uh, the, the amount of respect and zeal that one had for the law, Paul said, I was blameless in terms of my conduct, okay? Uh, here is a man who is a Pharisee. He knows the law. He studied the law. He teaches the law. He practices the law. And he says, I want you to understand, nobody out here is more dedicated than I was to the place that at, at one time in Paul's life, he spent a great amount of energy and time to destroy the early church, right? Because he was under the impression it was the wrong way. And so Paul, again, he's, he's saying... I, I used to think this way, but it was made clear to me, and I want to make it clear to you that no man, no man, is, is, is that everybody? That's everybody, right? No man can be justified by the works of the law. And he specifically says the works of the law. Why? Because that's the issue in the church. The issue in the church that they're dealing with is that you have to be kept by the works of the law. And he's saying, no, we are free to be saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And we are free from the law. We are free from the bondage uh, of being brought into that uh, uh, the works of the law. 
because nobody can be justified by that. Now, it's not to say the law is not good. And it's not to say that the law was not needed. And it's not to say that when we look at what was given, that, that we, should, we should live. We have a moral code, right? We have a moral law that God has given us. Absolutely. It is still wrong, it's still wrong to kill. It's still wrong to steal. Those, are, those things are not changing, right? But there was, there was ceremonial aspects of this because God gave us a principle way back in Genesis that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Something has to die to deal with the issue of sin. And we can go all the way back to Genesis and we realize that when Adam and Eve, when they fell, when they chose to disobey God and their eyes were opened, they realized their sin, they realized they were naked, they were ashamed of it. Because that's what sin does. Sin brings shame. And they ran away from God. That's what sin does. It pushes us away from God. God, as He does in the gospel, He seeks us, right? He came to us. We're not running to God. We're running away from God. God came seeking Adam and Eve, just like He is seeking us in the Holy Spirit. He's at work today in this world through the Holy Spirit. And, and He drew us into a relationship with Him. He, he convicted us of our sin. He wooed us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Brought us to the place where we realize what He did for us on that old rugged cross. Amen? And, uh, uh, and so he, He's explaining here over and over and over again that we cannot in any way be justified by the work of the law. No way. It will not produce righteousness. It will not make anyone righteous. It is through faith that we have been liberated from the bondage of law over in chapter 3 of Galatians. Again, justification by faith. Verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by faith. Look at verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Faith in Christ has liberated us from the bondage of what the law brought in that it revealed sin in you and I. And it forced us to understand that we could never be good enough to merit it was It showed us our sinfulness. It revealed that to us and it revealed the reality that we needed a Savior. Now understand also what he says here is that those who loved God, who knew the law and, and, and did what was required of the law, they did it out of faith. They did it out of love. Remember it was Abraham who God called and it said of Abraham that he believed God and that faith in which he left was accounted to him as righteousness. Because of his faith. And it's important to understand that there's always been one way to know God. And it is through faith. Always. It is through belief. It is through believing 
And, and in observing the law, it was always looking forward to the fulfillment of the one who would keep the law entirely and who would make provision and sacrifice once and for all. See, we're, we're free to receive Christ today because of the work He's done on our behalf on the cross. Amen. We're free to be saved by His marvelous grace today because of what He has done for us. That faith is the way in which this grace gets appropriated in our life. Go with me to Galatians chapter 2, if you will. Verse 19. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. Let's read it again. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. And look at verse 20. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Faith is the appropriating of the grace of God on on our behalf. Listen, salvation is free to whoever would receive it in faith today because Christ has paid for that in full. And let's just pump the brakes here for just a minute and let's just acknowledge something. Let's just acknowledge this morning the great price that your salvation came at. Think about that for a minute. I mean, we talk about, you know, being saved by grace. We talk about the work that Christ did for us on the cross. And sometimes if we're not careful, we hear that over and over and over again and we lose the reality of what was actually done. Understand, Christ in the garden said, God, if there is another way, let's do it. If there's any other way, then my blood running down those timbers, if there's another way, let's do it. Nevertheless, not my will, your will. If that is what has to take place, that is what I'll do. And that is what had to take place because throughout human history, that's what has had to take place. Go all the way back to the garden. They sin, they run away from God. They attempt to cover their shame. Is that satisfactory? No. It's not satisfactory. God clothes them with the skins of animals. And in that little statement is the beginning of this bloody reality that sin causes death and atonement must be made because God is a holy and a righteous and a just God and He will not tolerate and He will not look upon sin. That's the reality of it. And you and I need to understand today that that when we look in the mirror, and there's a smile on our face, and there's a song in our heart, and we love God, we need to understand as we look in that mirror that a righteous man died so we would not have to. I mean, you, 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 ever, you ever been given some? I mean, just next, next week, okay, uh, these men are going to stand in a pulpit, and I get to sit with my kids so I can help my wife keep control. There's always at least one. Okay, the way it is. All right, but 
I get to, I get to wrestle and wrangle next week. And, and uh, ever, er, ever since we've ever been a part of the church, we've always had Pastor Appreciation Day. And to quote Brother Ricky, there's one time a year you have to appreciate your pastor, okay? That's it. Now you're asking for much, right? But through the, the years, through the years, we've been given love offerings. I remember early on when we first got here, we were in the process of adopting, you know, our first child and the expense of that. And what a blessing it was to us to receive that offering. And I, I just, and I, I say that to say this, the joy that was brought to my heart to know that someone would do that for me. And folks, that would pale in comparison. Would pale in comparison to what Jesus Christ did for us. I mean, think of how, think of when somebody did something for you. You had a need. They heard of that need and they met that need. Maybe they showed up with groceries. Maybe they gave you a gift card. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, they realized you... And, and this, is, this is big to me. They, they realize you're the car behind them in the drive-thru and they pay for your Chick-fil-A. God bless you. I'm reminded of uh, a story that um, McDonald's. McDowell. Um, oh, what, why can't I think of his first name? What's his? Josh McDowell. Is he the older man, Allison? Or am I talking about, no, who am I talking about? Josh is the dad. Okay, all right. It's the cold weather, people. It's the cold weather. My brain does not function right. It's, I got this. See, this is, this is the problem when you're talking about Tesla chips and going into your brain. They can't charge their cars in Chicago, and I can't function in the cold. So put their chip in my head, and you get nothing. We're just standing around for eight hours waiting for a tow. I mean, I'm telling you, that just blows up all the AI. I mean, just blew, blew it up, froze it out. Didn't blow it up, froze it to death, okay? <clears throat> Josh says uh, he, he's pulling into a drive-thru, and uh, he's, 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 you know, pulling up there, and he's sitting there looking at the menu, and uh, he can't make up his mind. And so the, the car behind him starts beeping the horn. And he kind of looks out, you know, an older man. And so he, he orders it. And then he pulls up to the first window. And he says, uh, you know, the lady that, uh, you know, was fussing at me back there, I, I'll pay for her order. And so he pays for his. He pays for hers. He gets the two receipts. He pulls up there to, to the next window and she hands him out his food, he says, you know, thank you very much. And he says, uh, uh, I also paid for this too. And, and so she went back and gave him her order and he drove off with both of them. So don't be fussing at old people in the drive-thru. They just might pay for your food and eat it. Lesson learned, I bet. When it happens the other way, it's a lot better. But the reality is this. Get us a good laugh, you know, but hey. In a time of great need in your life, and God showed up 
And God came through. Folks, that pales in comparison to the price that God has redeemed us. And that He died a righteous man, a good man, a man who knew no sin. And He died for me. And He died for you. He did that. He did not have to. He chose to. He chose to do that. Understanding the great cost that it was going to come with. And I can't, I can't imagine in as much of the, of the agony and the suffering that he must have endured. The gruesome nature of the, of the torture of, of crucifixion. Because in, in as much as it was a way of death, it was, it was to deter crime. Because they hung you on that cross. They either tied you there and, 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 and the way in which, just the process, it was a slow, agonizing death. And as you, you sat there with your hands tied up and your feet tied up and you wasted away in the sun, the buzzards would come by and they would pluck your eyes out while you were still alive. And you were, set, you were crucified on the side of a public road naked. So everybody that came by understood you cross the government, this is where you're going to end up. It was a way that they used to shame people and to control people and to deter crime. And, and let me tell you, it worked. It worked. It was, it, was, it was a way that was reserved for the most heinous criminals. As a matter of fact, as I understand it, if you were a Roman citizen, they could not crucify you. And they put the very Son of God on that cross. And He did that for you and He did that for me. And as much of the physical aspect of that, the horror that it was, it was nowhere near the reality of the weight of sin in His soul and His spirit that He carried. To watch and, to, and to real, the reality of the separation that would take place between God and Him in that moment where He would die for you, for your sin and for my sin. Paul wants us to grasp that. We're free to be saved because our salvation has been bought at a great price. But Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, we're also free to grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And don't ever go back. Don't ever go back. Don't ever get to the place. We realize that, 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 that Christ is somehow or can somehow love us more if we just light the candle at both ends and in the middle and we just burn out. God loves us. He's demonstrated that love for us. There's no way we'll ever do anything that can make Him love us more or love us any less. Because God truly loves in a way from, a, from, a, from the standpoint of a father to his children that, that we, we know it's there, but we can never fully live up to it. It's a challenge. It's a struggle. We're free to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're, we're confident, as Philippians 1.6 says, that he who began a good work in us will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Folks, God, God's not done with you. Salvation is not the end of it. 
It, that is the past tense of salvation in that now we are justified, made right before God. Satisfaction. God looks at you. He doesn't see all the past. He doesn't see even the mess ups of the day or the mess ups in the future. He sees the righteousness of His Son, Jesus. And we are made right with God and we're free to grow and we're free to, to claim that scripture that God is not through with you. He's not done with me. He's not done with you. He has a, a desire and a work to carry forth and to complete it in Jesus Christ. Now, we might go kicking and screaming. But God is going to accomplish His work in you. And He's going to do that because of the continued work of the Holy Spirit in you. There in Galatians chapter 3, there in verse 3, notice what Paul says. I mean, again, you just couldn't get any more plainer than this. He asked the question, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Or, or, did we start? And, and is it up? Are we going to cross the finish line now? Because we're doing everything right. Or are we going to reach glory because of what Christ has done for you and for me? We're free to grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And why is that? Well, Paul says it's because of the Spirit of God that's now living in me. The Spirit of God that is now living in you. The indwelling presence of Jesus Christ. Yielding our lives to the Holy Spirit. It is easier said than done. But it is through the power of God that we yield ourselves so that the Holy Spirit can have His way through you and through me. And that means that, that what I want to do is secondary. What does God want to do? I mean, just look at the rate in which in our country alone, look, the, the, you know, Barna and, and you just name the Christian group, if they're taking, if they're taking uh, you know, keeping score here, look, the Christian church in America is on the decline. It's just a reality. Is that me? We're going to have to seriously think about having church if it drops below 25 degrees. I mean, I'm telling you what. This is crazy. Somebody streaming me in here? If you're in the service, are you? Are, really? Where was I? Free to grow. Free to grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Free to live as the members of God's family. Now this is so important and I want you to get this. Folks, we've been baptized now into the family of God. 
Do you, do you understand that, that, that when, when we're sitting here looking at each other this morning, because we are family, we're part of the family of God, you realize God, God doesn't care about your wealth, your, your so-called worth. Your, God, God's not a respecter of those things. And that's why in the family of God, according to verse 28 there, in Galatians 3, folks, we're, we're equal. He says, there's neither Jew or Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male or female. All are one in Christ Jesus. Now, he's saying that for this reason. Not that there's not a Jew or a Gentile, and certainly there is male and female. That ain't, that's not the goal here. That's not the point of the, of the discussion. But he's saying, based on who you are, or your position in society, or your worth or your appeal to some group, it's not the way God looks at you. It is hard for us to grasp this reality, but we're to stand in the freedom of it, that God has made us perfect because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That we are right with Him. That, there are, that, that, that it's not the idea that it's position and it's power. No, we're, we're equal. And according to Romans 12, we're to, we're to be devoted to one another in love. We're to honor one another in love. We're to love one another more than ourselves. Just as Christ has demonstrated that in our life. Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, it says this. Therefore you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Paul introduces himself over and over again as a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are, are we're, we're, we're servants of the Lord. We're, we're committed to the kingdom work of God. But we're more than that. We are an heir. We are a joint heir with Christ. Folks, we are part now of the family of God. We've been adopted into the family of God. Our name is written down, folks. We belong to Him. Galatians 6 there, we're, because of this, this grace that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ, we care and we encourage one another. Look at chapter 6 there in verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear with one another, uh, excuse me, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We care, we encourage each other. Of course, Galatians 5, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. And notice in verse 9 of Galatians 6 there, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. We're to be productive. There's stuff to do, amen? God's not expecting the lost world to preach the gospel. Not expecting a lost world to support the, the work of God, the kingdom work of God. 
He calls us to commit ourselves to work, to be productive. Realize that we are members of God's family. We're no longer aliens. We're no longer dead in our trespasses and sin. We're alive unto Jesus Christ. We are free in Christ Jesus. Uh, Dr. Crabtree made an illustration on this subject. He said, too many Christians believe that it is in Jesus, it is through Jesus that the down payment was made, but that it is somehow now through us that we make the monthly installment. And that if we do not measure up in some way, we face a foreclosure. We face a repossession of our faith. God forbid that we think so. Could not be farther from the truth. John MacArthur was right. If you could lose your salvation, you would. I would. See, folks, we are free in Christ. And I'm just going to close with this very simple statement. We are free in Christ. We're free to be wrong, not to do wrong. We are free to be wrong. And we will be from time to time. We're not free to do wrong. Stand in the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. No going back. No thinking that somehow I add to it or that I take away. But I stand on the foundation that heaven is my home because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Period. And I hope that encourages you. I hope that lights a fire in, in your heart to serve and love Jesus and others until His glorious call, until that glorious day in which He calls us home. As His children, may we be found faithful, free in Christ and in Christ alone. Join your hearts with me in prayer this morning. Brother Steve, you and Sue, if y'all will, come. Let's just bow our hearts in prayer this morning. Father, we, we love you. Thank you, God, that we can say that this morning because, Lord, you've demonstrated your love for us. Lord, if we're here this morning, we're listening online, we've never been saved. Maybe, God, we know about you and maybe we've thought we've been good enough, we've been compliant enough, we've been nice enough. But, Lord, we've never just come before you humbly as we can, and said, God, save me for I'm a sinner. Lord, would you just help us this morning to see our greatest need to be saved. Lord, convict us and draw us through the power of the Holy Spirit to that cross this morning. Let us just surrender it to you. Lord, maybe we're here this morning. We're just burdened. We're scared. We're afraid. Father, help us to just commit ourselves to you. Surrender our, our stress, our worry, our hopelessness, Lord. To just surrender that to you this morning. God, I just pray you'd have a divine work in all of us. We need you, Lord. 
We just pray you'd have your way in every heart. And God, you be glorified. May you be glorified, God, in what takes place during this time of invitation, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.